No checklist completed is going to save you. No bucket list is going to save you. No amount of blood, sweat, and tears that you've poured out in your life is going to save you. No amount of cash or worldly possessions is going to save you. You can't take it with you. You'll be dead. Buddha can't save you. Gandhi can't enlighten you. The Pope can't absolve your sins. The saints can't pray you into eternal life. Muhammad can't fix you. Allah isn't able. No president, no legislation, no Supreme Court justice, no state or nation or leader or celebrity, no one can save you because there is salvation in no one else. All right, that's right. Nobody but Jesus. So, very quickly, um, soon and very soon, um, the first Friday in uh, November, which is going to be November 4th, November 4th is um, movie night. And the movie night is uh, going to be Luther. It's a um, it's a uh, just a, a documentary about Luther. Um, so uh, uh, Reformation Day um, is uh, the thirty first of October, uh, and on on Reformation Day is when um, Luther. There's they'll explain it more in the movie, um, but very uh, Reformation Day is October thirty first. It's the same day as Halloween. Um, which steals the glory or attempts to a lot, but um, it's a it's a moment uh, in in history in which uh, Martin Luther um, uh, hammered and nailed the his ninety five theses onto the door of the uh, Wittenberg um, Castle, uh, the uh, church essentially. Um, and so it, it's the even though the Reformation and, and being reformed to Scripture uh, formed again to Scripture, that idea goes uh, a lot further back than Luther. It's kind of uh, the unofficial marker of the beginning of what's known as the Reformation. So uh, anyway, so that uh, that evening is going to be Luther that that will show um, and. Uh, so don't miss that. Don't miss out on that. Um, uh, so as we get into stuff here, I want to throw out there and remind you every Wednesday morning early, my friend actually, Michael, uh, um, releases a podcast with he and I in it, um, the Babbling Pastors podcast. And that's really what it is. Often it feels like it's just us babbling, but um, he he's he's a lot more culturally relevant than I am. Uh, he's he's on the TikToks and all of that stuff, and his uh, YouTube channel is Honest Youth Pastor, the Honest Youth Pastor, on YouTube, and uh, he's on all the social media stuff you can be on. It seems um, uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook, even I think, and um, all the hip ones, right? Uh, but you can find that podcast on any of your regular podcast um, outlets. Apple Podcasts is really the most popular, I think. And then Spotify is the one that I use. And you can find it on Google Podcasts if you're an Android person uh, and have yet to be converted to the other side. 
uh, of that. But uh, so the Babbling Pastors podcast, and he releases one of those every Wednesday. I'm actually going to be recording that uh, with him a whole month's worth uh, tomorrow morning. So I'm always excited about that. So, um, all right. So here is what we're doing. I want to make one recommendation to you um, this before we uh, jump into the um, state of theology for this week. Um, so, uh, one of the struggles that I think exists nowadays in, uh, this world in which we live is, uh, the devotional, uh, stuff that we can get our hands on. So many of the devotionals that you can get your hands on is like, um, some garbage that you could probably write in, uh, you know, uh, a, a, an hour a day. Uh, and and then publish it, and it would be bought by millions. It's not deep. It's it's always just encouragement, and never, um, never kind of a wake up call that we need at times. Um, it it's not necessarily something that draws you to uh, Christ, or or that paints Christ as as more beautiful, more magnificent. All of these things. Um, as much as it's just uh, a tool to get you through the day and get you to tomorrow's devotion. Um, but I actually want to recommend this to you, Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible. Now, commentary is something that seems really scary to some people, um, that because it's it's a word uh, that uh, commentaries are are what a lot of pastors use. I have uh, many commentaries on bookshelves around here. And, and many, 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 many commentaries in my computer uh, program that I use. And uh, it, it can be something that's uh, daunting uh, because there are commentaries that are really technical. And, um, you know, the, this Greek word is, comes from the root of this and that and the other thing. And, and so this is the meaning of this and some translations. And it can be really, like, cumbersome. And so there are commentaries that are technical on purpose, um, but this is not one of those. Uh, Matthew Henry was a Puritan uh, long, long ago, and he he uh, so his his writing is from a different era, and you'll be able to tell that by reading it. But all of it is just super devotional and super helpful. Um, in fact, I think it was uh, Whitfield, uh, John Whitfield, who. Uh, had his Bible and a Matthew Henry commentary and, uh, and carried that with him. And that was kind of his library as he uh, rode from town to town proclaiming Christ to the masses. And uh, the Matthew Henry commentary, it's actually super good for even devotional reading. Man, it's the, I have, this is, this is a, the thing on the screen right now that, that comes in two different ways. It comes in this that's on the screen is a one volume edition uh, of unabridged. So it's the whole Bible in one volume, uh, which means that the writing is super duper small. Um, but it's nice if you just want to have one, one go-to, uh, spot to, uh, um, to look at for your devotions, but it, it is a really cool, a cool addition to your devotional life. If you wanted to do that. Um, the other way is that there's a five volume set. That's what I have. And it's the exact same thing. It's just in five volumes instead of one. And look at that price back there. You can get it on christianbook.com for like 20, just over 20 bucks. So it's it definitely worthwhile 
purchase um, for your devotional life. Super deep and yet written, um, even though it's in a, from a different time era, it's written in a in such a way that you can you can understand what he's saying, and it's going to draw you um, toward the magnificence of God and Christ and uh, penetrate you in ways that like in our daily bread is just going to playfully wish it could do. So, uh, so that's a, a, a good recommendation that I have for you. Okay. On to the task at hand. Um, the state of theology this week, it is, um, Oh, whoops. I'm a, I hit the wrong thing here. Okay. Uh, the state of theology this week, we're covering, does church membership matter? Does church membership matter? So I'm going to, first of all, mute my phone, put it on do not disturb so that doesn't happen anymore. Give me five, four, three, two, one. Oh, okay. I'm back. All right. Um, does church membership matter? So the text in, in this says, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. But what is the church? Biblically speaking, the church consists of those whom God uh, is, has, uh, consists of those who, whom God has called out of the world and drawn to himself through Christ. Um, the universal church, which consists of every person, past, present, and future, whom God calls to himself, is expressed tangibly through the local church bodies that extend around the world. Um, so uh, here's, here's the statement. So if you don't remember, uh, I'll just remind you very quickly that the, the way that these work, that this uh, state of theology thing works, is that they... Um, they uh, have done both U.S. adults as well as uh, U.S. adults that would claim to be evangelical Christians, um, and so there are two different kind. There are two different findings essentially. Um, uh, here is number uh, this the statement. Okay, and then they make a statement, right? So every Christian is born innocent, or God changes his mind, or that sort of thing. And then people either agree or disagree, or somewhere in the middle, okay? Um, every uh, The statement here is statement number 24, and it's, every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. Every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. That's the statement. So how did people interact with that? So um, in... U.S. adult findings, uh, 36% agree that every Christian has an obligation to join a local church, and 56% disagree. Now, again, I'm never uh, uh, that jarred by uh, anything that is coming from the U.S. adult side of things, because this is really just a picture of what... um, uh, Adults in general in our culture think about Christians uh, having an obligation to join a local church. So it, it matters. It matters, but it matters less. Um, and so, thirty-six percent agree, fifty-six percent disagree. So, how is this going to square though with Christians? I actually haven't even looked at this number yet. I'm sure I've scrolled past it, but I haven't even looked at it. So uh, they they say for much of American history, um, the uh, influence of Christianity resulted in a high rate of church attendance, and church membership was normative. 
Yet increasing secularization in the United States has led to more Americans identifying as non-religious. In addition, the entrenched cultural value of individualism makes it unsurprising that most Americans deem church membership as optional for Christians. So again, that is, that's a relationship of uh, just U.S. adults, uh, believing, unbelieving, whatever, who um, have this opinion based on, uh, have this opinion about church membership among uh, Christian people. But here... Here is the the um, here are the numbers from uh, U.S. evangelicals. It says sixty eight percent agree uh, that every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. Twenty six percent disagree. So sixty eight percent versus twenty six percent, and there are a lot of folks in the middle. Um, so okay. This is actually better than I expected it to be, but 68% means that, um, means that at, at, well, it, it means that 38% total don't agree. Uh, maybe they don't put, maybe they didn't select disagree, but, um, but that's, that's a significant amount. It's almost 30% of people that disagree that uh, Christians have an obligation to join a local church. So what do we think about that? What do we think about that whole idea of Christians um, being involved in the local church? So this is really significant um, uh, in our past few years uh, of life in America when um, and, and even in other nations, I know Canada was really, uh, really went through the ringer with their government and, um, talking, uh, about, uh, you know, pastors going to jail at times, um, you know, and I don't know what all is involved in all of those situations, but you can certainly go to jail for being a, a jerk, um, and for wrong reasons, but I don't think that was the case. And in, in some of those, uh, instances, but, um, it's government overreach there. I said it. Um, but, but so what do we think about that in light of the past few years, especially, uh, when, uh, we've been in situations that, um, in, in which churches were told you can't do church. Um, and, and zoom church is not church. It's a it's a, a temporary okay thing to try and figure out how to do online church um, if if you're legitimately like you know like sick or um, if if you know if it is an emergency situation. So the story here at Hillside was that we did shut down for about six weeks, and when I say shut down, I'm specifically talking about um, the the Sunday morning worship. Uh, gathering that we have. Um, and so we did shut down for six weeks and uh, at the very beginning of all of it, because, you know, the elders and I, we didn't know at that point, like no one did, right? Uh, I, none of us really knew. You don't know until some actual information comes out and statistics start happening and all of that stuff. Um, so we didn't know if uh, if this coronavirus thing was going to be 
um, Ebola or, or what, but, uh, but, but it didn't take very long. And we kind of realized like, okay, it's not, it's not, uh, we're not going to all start bleeding out of our eyes in a day and then die, uh, necessarily. So, uh, it, 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 the Hebrews 10 25 says, uh, not that we're not to neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, um, so this encouraging to meet together, Paul said, when you come together on the first day of the week, um, assuming that people are coming together on the first day of the week, on the Lord's Day, uh, John, in uh, the book of Revelation, when he first is introducing the book, essentially, uh, he said that it says that that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, the Lord's Day, Sunday, the first day of the week, when you go to worship together. So... Um, the idea that Christians gather together has always uh, existed in Christianity, and and even at God's people in the Old Testament, it was it was the assembly. That's that's what it is called. Um, we're an ecclesiastical body. Uh, Romans twelve four and five says, "For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another." Um, the when when we get into Corinthians and and Paul talking about spiritual gifts, why do you get spiritual gifts? Why does God gift you with things, with talents, with uh, uh, the abilities that not everyone has, with uh, certain ways that you're blessed to that your mind is created to think that other people's minds aren't created to think uh, in in the same ways like that God does that on purpose so that when we come together and do life together we are more complete we are to use our gifts as encouragements to one another uh, we're to uh, uh, we're pictured as a body here in Romans, as Paul talks about. Um, uh, Acts 20, 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Um, uh, okay, Acts two forty seven, the beginning of the church, right? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, and at, that's right after He had added three thousand that first day. Um, and uh, let's see, Acts two forty two, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, which hopefully is what we still are uh, devoting ourselves to. Um. Let's see. <laughs> um, so Ephesians 4, 12 through 16, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Um... Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, uh, from whom the whole body joined. And so here's the deal. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 uh, begins and says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. 
um, we have many members. So here's here's the uh, so there are a couple of different uh, things that are controversial that people think nowadays. Uh, one of those is there's the the there's a temptation that I think some people have, and some of them I think it's just because it's all that they know and they just don't know the word, um, uh, which is their fault. It's available everywhere, and as a Christian, you should thirst for that. It's one of the evidences that you're a Christian, is that you thirst for the Word. You want to know more about God and His Word and His ways and what He expects and all of these things. Um, but uh, the the you um, there there are some who maybe are just ignorant of the of the expectation. Uh, maybe uh, maybe they're lazy. Um, and or maybe they're not Christians, and so this is just a, a way to make themselves feel better. I, I don't know, right? Uh, it could be any number of reasons, maybe, or motives behind it, but there's, there is an idea that floats around that online church is fine. Like, that counts. That you, you, um, and what I'm talking about is not like a temporary, I'm sick, so I watched the live stream today. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, I live in North, North Dakota and I'm a member quotes, air quotes, right. That I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I attend service online, uh, of this church in Albuquerque or something. Um, that is not valid. <laughs> that, that is not a valid, uh, thing. That's not a valid, um, uh, it's, it's just not, it's not valid for us. Um, and so, uh, it's not, it's the, the church is called the gathering. Even, even the Trinity is, is three persons. Even the Trinity is God is a community in and of himself. We were made for one another. The first thing that God said in all of his creation that was not good was that man was alone. Um, you were not made to be alone. You weren't. The The church, since its inception, has uh, consisted of groups of people, of families of people, of individuals coming together to worship uh, God together, to be a part of the body. Um, and it, it doesn't even make sense you have to you have to come up with a reason to uh, to say that um, and and not a biblical one. <laughs> you have to come up with some sort of reason in and of your in and of your own uh, to to attempt to make the case that that you don't need to belong to to a community of believers. Uh, and and I promise nothing you're going to come up with is valid when you weigh it against all of the. Uh, all of the um, inferences that we can clearly make from the scriptures, some of which are the ones that I just read. Um, you're when when we think about the church being a body, um, we it, it does no good for uh, one finger to be in the living room and one finger to be at the neighbor's house in the kitchen. Um, those are just not. That's not. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. Um, so the body is, is, it, it works in unison. We are all members of Christ. 
uh, local churches is how it was done in the very beginning. They gathered together in one another's homes. Uh, it wouldn't have been uh, ex- acceptable or expected that you uh, or even your family unit uh, would, you know, be hanging out in Corinth and just do church your way in your house. Um, you know, maybe maybe grab a maybe grab an hour daily bread and read it, and there's your church service. Like that, that's that's ludicrous, and and it's ludicrous to 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 attempt to check the church box with some sort of online uh, worship service. That's not the same thing. You are not participating in the body of Christ by doing that. Um, and so that's that's one of the things that's kind of popular nowadays. Uh, that that isn't helpful, isn't good, isn't going to help you grow in any way. Uh, there's no accountability. There's no bumping up against one another and iron sharpening iron. You're not put in situations ever in which you have to think about peacemaking or getting along with others or whatever. Um, so long story short, you're not able to grow as a Christian sitting in your living room or in your office watching a church service. It's not the same thing. In fact, if, if you've been a part of a healthy church, and for some people that's the problem, for some people, they've never been a part of any church that has really been worthwhile, that has been healthy, that is not just spending more time bickering than being the church. Um, and so it it gives them a skewed picture of what church is supposed to be like, um, of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like and act like and feel like when you're involved in it. Um, so, uh, but let's see. So that's that's one problem that we run into today. Um, another one, uh, and really, uh, perhaps, um, this is maybe lesser of a problem, but when you, when you, when you do, uh, is okay. So it's, it's basically, uh, the, the idea of, uh, church membership versus church attendance. Um, so going to a church, attending a church, um, uh, it, and membership in that church. So those are, those are, that's a kind of a convoluted subject. What, what I will say is everyone who's a regular attender at a church believes in church membership. Everybody does. Uh, everybody believes in church membership. Uh, it's, it's, the truth is simply that church membership, uh, uh, how it works itself out is different in some uh, churches handle that differently. For some churches, you have to go through uh, a month-long class uh, classes. For some churches, you have to sit. You know, after when we first moved here to Hillside, we we sat through a, an afternoon uh, after church one Sunday, and it was uh, it was I think like two three hours or something, including lunch and. Um, uh, we sat through some talks and some well, flipped through a binder of uh, introducing you to Hillside and that sort of thing. And that's part of the membership classes, right? Those sorts of things. Uh, some churches, though, are are really almost the opposite of that. And and that if you show up and you're kind of a regular attender here, you're a member. Um, and there, so there's not necessarily a roll count or something like that in the books of voting members. But... Um, but it's just that if you're if you're a regular attender, you are a member. Now, 
uh, our church in particular doesn't work like that. Uh, we do have membership. Uh, it it is currently really easy to become a member here, um, and and we do that because of something that I heard John MacArthur say once. Actually, one one of the things that he said was uh, um, that we. Uh, he said, if God will let you into his church, who am I to say you can't be a part of ours? <laughs> and so that doesn't, what that doesn't mean is that there shouldn't be some sort of criteria or that there shouldn't be some, uh, you know, educating them about your particular local church and the things that you believe and that sort of stuff. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it, the controversy comes, uh, with, um, when maybe some of those things mix, right? So, um, if you're a regular attender at our church, um, then like in, in some ways I'm going to attempt to treat you in the same way that, that I would treat any of our members in the sense that like, uh, just because you're not technically a member on a list at our church doesn't mean you get to sin and not get held accountable for that. (laughs) Um, it also doesn't mean you're you're not expected to participate in some way and use your gifts. Um, it, that is an expectation of all members of the big C church, of the universal church, of the uh, visible church. Um, that uh, uh, that's that's a that's a requirement. That's what God expects of anyone who is part of his who who's part of his people. Um, and so, uh, there are things that, that are, um, I would say not exclusive, uh, to whether you're on a roll or not necessarily. Now, the way that we do it at Hillside is we do have roles. We do have actual members, um, who take a step and become members. And those folks, um, do have like voting rights when, when it comes to, I mean, the big things that we vote on in our church, like I've been to churches that, uh, you know, vote if you're going to, if, if you're going to change the, you know, aspect ratio of the slides on Sunday or something ridiculous, right? Like every little small in, in, you know, insignificant thing. Uh, why, wait a minute. Why are the water pitchers clear now? Right. So we should vote on this. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Um, what what we uh, typically do is we we have a f- couple of things that are major that that we would uh vote on um one of those is uh, obviously hiring someone uh pastors hiring pastors and the budget the annual budget that's those are the major things that we vote on now from time to time there might be something else but i mean in large part uh the the understanding that we've come to at our church is that when you affirm new elders um you you are putting uh into their hands and and giving them the authority to to live out that role to 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 do the things that they're supposed to do uh, per the scriptures. So when it comes to elders and deacons, they should have the ability from the church to do uh, what they've been tasked with. Um, so what that means is that we're not going to vote on every little thing. And even some things that are not little uh, aren't necessarily going to be voting matters. Uh, but members do get to vote. Members have uh, have um, 
a kind of a different uh, um, uh, stance. Uh, if uh, I, it's it's hard for me to, I guess I'm not finding the right words, but um, but members at at Hillside uh, have taken a step to intentionally tell the other members of Hillside, I'm in. I'm in. Our family is in. We're in for the long haul. We're not going to uh, get mad and leave because uh, something went on. Even even if there is some teaching that was not on, we're gonna we're gonna uh, uh, we're gonna confront it. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna attempt to understand what was said. If it was wrong, we're gonna attempt to to ask for clarification and or even repentance of the of me the pastor or the teacher that that was teaching at the time whatever it might like but the point is we're not just going to we're not just going to you know like uh, get out of dodge because something uh, uh because we disagree with something we're not just going to up and vanish uh like a ghost because something is going on in our life we're going to participate um we're going to take part we're going to follow biblical mandate and and uh, and be an intentional, thought-out part of the community at Hillside. That's what being a member means. Um, and and also being a member at Hillside. There's a video on our website that I did a long time ago uh, now, but uh, kind of where I try to explain this. But being a a, a, a member at Hillside also means that that the leadership that is appointed and affirmed and all these things that that leadership uh, team of elders uh, is, is responsible for you and takes responsibility for you and, and is going to annoy you at times if you're falling away. Um, And uh, it's, so it's, it's kind of a two way street. It's a two way commitment that is happening there and it's just public. It's made public. Now, um, there, there, there were roles taken in the New Testament. Um, there, uh, there were uh, all of the analogies of the church, uh, the pictures used uh, to describe it, the church, meaning uh, like the body that I mentioned earlier, uh, when Christ talks about the, um, uh, the, the cornerstone, him being the cornerstone, the foundation being the apostles and the, the church he describes as the whole structure. Um, and so, uh, it grows into a holy temple into the Lord, he says in Ephesians two. Um, and, and so us as the temple of God, as the once and forever temple of God, the church is, is made up of all sorts of parts. And if you're not part of that, then like we're missing a brick. <laughs> like we're missing a stone that we need. Um, and so there all point being all of the analogies, all the pictures used are descriptors of something that has lots of parts uh, that create a whole. So uh, church membership is important. Uh, it, it's important so that the church uh, is equipped to carry out the great commission. It's important because you will be in danger if you're all alone. If you're all alone, you have no one to 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 watch your life. 
Uh, I have, if I didn't come to church, I would have no one to watch my life, to hold me accountable, to see maybe blind spots that I have and, and bring those up to me. I would have, uh, I would have no one to discuss things uh, in the scriptures that I would have never seen because of my perspective or that sort of thing. Um, there's, there's no one to bounce things off of. There's no one to give advice, even sometimes when I didn't ask for it, but needed to hear it. Uh, and, and, uh, so I'm not growing, I'm not helping anyone else grow. I'm just, um, uh, a, a potato sitting in a chair somewhere watching online church and checking a box off. And if that's, if that's where you're comfy, then, um, then it might, it, it's a good idea to examine your life and ask, uh, if you're, if you're even part of the church to begin with, um, Vody Bauckham said, while we were at the Founders Conference last year, said something that was really uh, good. And the first time that I'd heard it said like he said it, even though I'm sure, you know, probably isn't the first time in history. There's nothing new under the sun. But um, but he said uh, that that if you're essentially I'm, I'm not quoting verbatim, but basically what he said was if you're if you uh, don't enjoy worshiping with the church here on earth, what makes you think you belong? To the church at all, because that's that's what life is going to be uh, for all eternity. You're going to be with God's people. If you don't enjoy being with God's people here on earth, what makes you think you belong with God's people? And man, that's like a punch in the face, but it's it's a good thing for us to hear because so many things take priority over being a part of an active part of a local church today. And every one of those things is it falls short of be of 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 being a part of the local church, so that that's a bit of a tangent that I uh, thought I would go on. Uh, but every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. I would say that the 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 absolute um, answer to that is uh, yeah, of course, every Christian has an obligation to be an active part of a local church. Now I'm not I'm not gonna um, harp on on you if you're just a, a a regular attender and you haven't taken some sort of formal step toward membership i i wouldn't do that at a church um but but the point though of the of the thing is and is not i think what they're getting at isn't necessarily um church membership as in ensuring that you're on the rolls and that that all of those things as much as it's talking about your need to be a part of a local church um because there's a there's a a movement within our nation within our culture that um that in, that is is adamant about the fact that I don't I I've worshiped God at home or I, I do church with my family at home, and that's the only church I need, and that sort of thing. And that's there's no room for that in the scriptures. You can't make that argument in the scriptures um, that uh, that that's that's the way that it's supposed to be. the The normative uh, picture that you see in the in the scriptures uh, of the church, and and frankly of God's people, no matter when in history, um, is that it's a, it's an assembly of people. It's it's uh it's an it's a group of people it's an it's a people uh, gathering together uh, to worship Christ doing life together um, and you can't do that by yourself 
So uh, every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. Listen, if you're one of the 30% of folks, if you fit into that category that says, I disagree with that, I don't need to be a part of a local church, then you're disagreeing with the scriptures. Have a good day.